Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, including five wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, and Susan's latest book, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at the Wise Woman University. But you can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. And welcome home, Justine. Nice to have you back, and welcome, Rebecca. Hi, good evening, Susan. Hey, how is spring springing out there? It's very sunny and uh, getting warm. It's like 70 degrees out here and just beautiful flowers everywhere and lots of activity. <laughs> yes. We live yes. next to it now, so there's like, it's like it adds this whole other element of um, kind of hearing what's going on in the neighborhood and <laughs> like lots of people around. <laughs> <laughs> we had great classes this weekend, 
And uh, we mm-hmm. went out in the woods. We did a, a woodland uh, wonders ramble on Sunday. And we went to the wild leek patch. Wild leeks are also called ramps. And we sat there, and um, I told the story of the you know, the seven Indian women who loved to eat ramps and what happened to them. And we saw all kinds of, you know, little ephemeral spring flowers. And we also found watercress. I was telling them about how uh, when White Feather was living on the land, that every spring she and I would go to a really nice place uh, where we know a bunch of watercress goes, and we would get watercress with roots, and then we would take it, and we would toss it in every water we could find on the land, hoping that it would thrive and grow. Uh, And that there are a few places where it seems to have taken hold, and we found it in two of those places. So that was exciting. And then I took them to where the dwarf ginseng grows. And this is a nice patch. It's really thriving this year. It's wonderful to see little patches of dwarf ginseng. It's um, instead of um, Panax quincifolium, it's Panax um, tri something, not trifolia, but it's got three leaves. And I was very interested to read in David Winston's Adaptogens book that the Cherokee um, use the dwarf ginseng and the large ginseng in exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. I told them that when I was down in the Appalachians teaching that some of the women told me that the grannies would send the boys out to get ginseng and that they would say the root is the boy's medicine but the leaf is the girl's medicine. And <clears throat> David had also heard that and he was curious about that so he actually checked out, you know, just scientifically, what are the constituents of a leaf? And some of the most active ingredients in the ginseng are ginsenicides, which are glycosides, <clears throat> or killer sugars. And it turns out that the leaves can have up to 10 times more ginsenicides than the roots. Wow. So those, those granny so are healing you and I, I don't like anything from it. I just go in the spring because the way that I was taught to use ginseng was once a day for six weeks, once a year. Mm-hmm. So I just go out there and eat a leaf as as I can. Nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. It was a great thrill to share it with others as well. We saw saw all kinds of fun and interesting things. It was raining a bit, but what uh, what you all out there probably wouldn't even consider rain. Kind of a thick mist, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yes, it had a directionality. <laughs> it was coming down from the sky. It wasn't just fog just kind of floating around, but it wasn't like big drops of stuff. So we were able to get around Really, really well. And I had a very thrilling occurrence on Saturday. There were some men here who teach at a well-known medical school. And they had taken a class with me two years ago and started teaching this at their medical school. And they had come back for more because they say it's time for MDs to stop being in the dark about what herbal medicine has to offer. Mm. 
Doesn't that just make your heart go pitter pat? Yeah, and the fact that they're attracted to the kind of herbal medicine that you teach and practice is um, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unique true. among the all the herbalism that's practiced in the U.S. So, yeah, yeah. They are very mm-hmm. they're they have very sensitive souls. These lovely men, and so I can see that that, that that's really where they were touched. That they're really good doctors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and not to even mm-hmm. uh, mention that I think, you know, that, that they're very happy that I know anatomy and physiology. Ah, uh, yes. You know, one of my pet <laughs> <laughs> about people out there spouting off about health who do not know how the body works or what its pieces do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. so all together, it was a wonderful first moon lodge. Rose reminds us that we may be celebrating 35 years of apprentices, but we are also celebrating 25 years of moon lodges. Wow. So thanks for that reminder, Rose. And Mm -hmm. she's come to all of them, she says, or every year at least, even if not every single moon lodge. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. And then I did a one of the one of the primary things we did on Saturday was we harvested nettle and we made nettle soup, and we harvested garlic mustard and we made a slew of things from the garlic mustard. Yeah, that's something we don't have on the west coast is the garlic mustard. Yeah, <clears throat> and it's considered mm-hmm. such a surge here. So we grabbed it, you know, before it came into flower, pulled it up root and all, and the roots with the, about an, oh, maybe a half an inch of the stalks with that purple color, uh, we made a vinegar, which turns this bright kind of pinky purple color from the anthocyanins in it, which is why I like to get that part of the leaf petiole that has that purple in it into my vinegar. And then we fed the stalks to the rabbits, chewed them down like they were a great delicacy, munch, 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 like asparagus. And then we cooked the leaves as a cooked green. Mm, and I, yeah, I remember I that. I, I've eaten cooked garlic mustard, I don't know, like half a cup of it every night now for a week or so. It's so tasty. It's Yes, it's a little bitter, but it's not like bad bitter. Mm, I love that bitter. Yeah, yeah, it's a really, it's a really, really kind of that like mm, digestive bitter tonic. Yeah, go go. And of course, we were talking about spring tonic, so the bitter tonic as well. And yes, of course, we put some garlic mustard in our salad. Yeah, I did a, I did a sound, my first sound healing. I did it in my house this weekend, and um, we did, we honored the dandelion and brought that in as like kind of like this awakening ceremony, like for spring. And um, I made, like, various preparations of dandelion from different parts of it. And, you know, it was very bitter, but everybody really enjoyed it. And, um, and I, I encouraged them to make their own their own preparations with it and sent out, like, a, you know, how to, make, how to make all these various preparations from dandelion. And so that was really cool, really fun. Oh, how wonderful. 
Thank you. Yeah, I really like the idea of doing, like, ceremony with the plants, you know, (laughs) and, like, really honoring them and then, you know, like, seeing what that opens up in people, like, with these uh, brews that are made from, like, all these different parts of the plant. Mm. Yeah, really. Yes, as you recall, Mm -hmm. in the wise woman tradition, nourishment is a three-legged stool. It is certainly what we put on our mouths, and it is also being heard, being listened to. And it's simple ceremony. Mm-hmm. One of the basic yeah. nourishments, one that is unfortunately missing in many people's lives nowadays. Yeah, yeah, and it's really important for me. I'm like, this is what I I need it really. A whole, I mean, a lot right now, and so I'm feeling like other people must need it too, right? <laughs> and I can only accommodate so many people in like the space that I have, so. I'm hoping to do it in a more communal space, but it was a really good practice to to just open it up into my home and and have the people come and and experience it. So, yeah, hoping to do a lot yes, more. Yes, you having to schlep all of your all of your sound sounding bowls. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's going to be quite the. <laughs> quite, uh, we have a really interesting guests tonight. <clears throat> Around nine o'clock my time. Eugenia Morkulov will be here. She follows in the footsteps of five generations of Slavic medicine women. Mm. Born in the Ukraine, she holds a double BA in environmental studies and political science, as well as a Hatha Yoga certificate, second degree Reiki and is pursuing a double MS in herbal medicine and holistic nutrition. So a woman with a broad and eager mind will be here at 9 o'clock to talk to us about uh, what it's like to grow up with traditional medicine. Stay with us or come back. Mm-hmm. Wow, we have a lot of people on the line tonight, and um, if you have a question for Susan, you need to press 1 to speak with her. And are you ready to jump into some questions, Susan? I certainly am. Okay. The first caller is coming from the 206 area code, or 260 area code. I think that's me. Hello. Hi. This is Diana, and I'm calling uh, with two um, issues. One is my dog, Brady. He's about 18 years old, as near as we can figure it. And he's been slowly declining in health um, over the past couple of years. He's an indoor dog. He He's from the shelter. He's part um, Brittany Spaniel, part Beagle. So he's He's always been a very gentle dog, um, and he doesn't complain much, but he's, he's had issues like incontinence, and he wanders, and um, I'm in an appointment to have him euthanized this Saturday, and I'm having a difficult time with it, even though I did make the decision um, to keep second-guessing myself. My daughter says, don't you dare change your mind, Mom. And my husband says, I think you're making the right decision. So um, 
It's going to well, happen. I, I, I asked you a few questions. Well, sure. Is this dog right now being a physical burden to you? Somewhat. But um, the dog is an emotional burden. Emotional, it hurts to see him this way. He's, you know, he's probably 18 years old. um, And he doesn't seem to be enjoying much but food. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, He doesn't go like to go for walks anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, He's an indoor dog. So there's a a part of you that would like this dog to pass naturally in his sleep. Oh, you bet. (laughs) And when is the appointment with the vet? Pardon? When is the appointment with the vet? Saturday, May 4th. So you have between now and May 4th to help your dog die at home. At home? At home. What do you mean? I mean that you need to tell your dog, what's your dog's name? Brady. Brady. That it's okay with you if Brady dies. I've told him that. (laughs) And that, in fact, you'd like for him to die. I haven't told him that. When my mom wanted to die, I told her there was a road in front of her and she needed to walk it until she came to the place where she stepped over the edge. So sometimes people who want to die don't know how to get there. And it sounds to me like you and Brady have a very good relationship and that if you say, Brady, there's one last thing I'd like you to do for me. I don't want to take you to the vet and have you put down there with the shot. I'd like you to just die in your sleep at home. Could you do that last thing for me? I kind of said that to him, too. (laughs) And maybe it won't happen. I'm not saying that it necessarily will. But at least by doing that, Brady will know what you want. And if Brady says, no, I'd rather go to the vet, then we can respect that decision, if that's Brady's decision. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when I was listening to you and Rebecca um, talk about simple ceremonies, I started thinking just then, maybe, you know, there could be some sort of, I don't know, ritual. I think you do know, and I think that's a brilliant idea. Of course there needs to be some kind of ritual. When we give death here at Laughing Rock Farm, there are four places in the ceremony of giving death. 
She who holds the knife. She who holds the animal. She who stands in support. And she who walks in the woods. She who holds the knife is the one in charge. No one can help her hold the knife. She holds it alone. And she has to cut through first her own resistance. Mm. Then the aura of the animal, then the fur and the skin, both of which are designed to repel. Then the fat and the muscle. In this case, it will be a needle, but the same thing. Rather than cutting, pushing, and pushing the needle in, and then pushing the plunger of the needle, being the one who actually is the actor here. She who holds the animal is holding the animal so that there is calm. So that there is ease as that action is being done. She who stands in support is often chanting. We chant Om Mane Padme Hum. I honor the greatness of your being. It's one translation. That's beautiful. Om Mane Padme Hum. And she who walks in the woods represents that part of each one of us that wishes that there were no death. That things could simply go on forever. We don't often have someone who actually goes and walks in the woods We hold she who walks in the woods, each one of us in our hearts, to honor that part of ourselves. Perhaps some aspects of this could be modified or used to help you create a ritual for giving death to Brady. Yeah, it sounds like there's some good ideas. And a walk in the woods afterwards would not be so bad. Yeah. And it's okay to cry. It's just fine to cry. Oh, (laughs) good. And I encourage you to be she who holds the needle or she who holds the animal. Get your hands in there. Get up close. Really feel, you know, really be there with Brady. Be hands-on. Oh, yeah. I've been his alpha dog for all these years. Exactly. I will. Um, Be as generous with Brady in death as you've been with Brady in life, and I know you've been very generous with Brady. Thank you. I knew you would come up with something that I hadn't thought of. Oh, but you did think of it. 
You're the one who said I should do a ritual. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for calling. Green blessings. There was one more question. Oh, There's I'm sorry. Go ahead. The other comment was um, about a month and a half ago. I um, I live in Western Michigan, and I was starting a job, and I came home, slipped on the ice, and um, jammed my finger, and it turned out to be a dislocated middle finger. And it was it was not scary at all to me because I've been drinking nourishing herbal infusions for the past few years. It didn't hurt. Um, it's been uncomfortable since, but and I did have to go to the emergency room. I felt because I was there was no one else to help me. And that um, come free infusion has helped tremendously. And um, I believe it is healing. However, the doctors, um, being the way they are, said there is no evidence that you definitely do not have a fracture, even though they x-rayed my finger two or three times at at two different um, intervals. And um, I feel like they're trying to strong-arm me into going to see a hand specialist because I feel like my my finger is healing from the comfrey and all the other nourishing herbal infusions. Then don't go and see the specialist, no matter what they advise you. It really is your choice. Yeah. But I just want to say thank you for introducing me to the nourishing herbal infusions and the, and the rest of your many good ideas. It's helped me so much. You are so welcome. It pleases me so enormously to hear of the benefit they bring to so many people. Yeah, well, you deserve the praise. So that's all. Thank you so much. Green blessings. Bye-bye. Bye. The next caller is coming from the 919 area code. Hello, Susan. Hi. Hi. Um, I have a couple of questions. Uh, the first one is I um, I want to come up with a couple of um, a couple of remedies that have strong antiviral uh, properties, um, and I know you love. St. Joan's wort for that's one of the reasons that like one of the purposes that you use it for or that you, you uh, have, work with it. Do you have Stephen Booner's book on antivirals? I do, I do. And okay. I have read it and I love it. Um Great. Okay. So but a couple of, okay, so one question, have you ever made like a tincture with um honeysuckle flowers? That's one that has been recommended to me a couple of times and I was thinking about giving that a try this year because they're blooming right now? I've been led to believe that the honeysuckle that grows in America isn't the right one. Of the Japanese? I'm not sure. Okay. Just at that. Okay. So I got curious about honeysuckle, 
of course, I had wonderful uh-huh. childhood memories about it. And I first I bought some dried honeysuckle flowers, and I made an infusion. Oh, wow, does that taste nasty. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of like smelling the bottle of vanilla extract and taking a swig of it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Smells good, tastes so bad. So it kind of got shoved to the back of my shelf, and I thought, <laughs> probably not going to harvest honeysuckle flowers anyhow. And then I was talking to um, some herbalists who uh, work with people from China, and they were saying that the kind of honeysuckle they use isn't the kind that grows here. Now, I know there are several kinds of honeysuckle that grow here. So tell me what you know about this, about what type of um, honeysuckle is. I am thinking of, and I can't think of the Latin name off the top of my head, but, you know, the invasive one that grows everywhere. <laughs> That's uh-huh. the one I'm thinking of. And... um yeah, because, I mean, I know we have a native one that grows here in North Carolina, but um, I don't see it enough. And so I'm I'm thinking of plants that are, for you all, St. Joan's wort is very common, and down here it's just not. And I'm like, I'd love to take a pilgrimage somewhere in the summertime where I could get it, but that mm-hmm. may not happen. <laughs> so, so I'm looking at um, Foster's book, Stephen Foster and Yu Qingguang, Herbal Emissaries, and they say it's Japanese honeysuckle, which is Lonicera japonica. Yes, that's what we have. Okay, that that's the one to use, and it's the flowers, and they disperse heat, and the stems disperse heat and stimulate the menses and help energy. Flowers are used in prescriptions to treat infections in the upper respiratory tract, fevers, colds, flu, conjunctivitis, mastitis, tonsillitis, pneumonia, abscesses of the lungs, dysentery, acute appendicitis, fever, headache, stuffy nose, sore throat, carbuncles, furuncles, pus, swelling, inflammatory diseases, infections due to injuries, ulcerations of the cervix, in short, a detoxicant for feverish conditions and acute infections. Okay. The branches are used against rheumatism, urticaria, mumps, upper respiratory tract infections, pneumonia, flu, furuncles, appendicitis, and infectious hepatitis. Hmm. Flowers, 9 to 15 grams in decoction. Stems, 9 to 30 grams in decoction. Harvesting flowers are harvested May through June before sunrise or in early morning after the dew has dried. Flower buds that are not yet opened are picked. They are, oh, spread, okay. they are spread evenly on a stone slab or a reed mat and dried in the sun on the same day in which they are harvested. Once spread out to dry, the flowers are not handled, turned, or allowed to become wet. Otherwise, they bruise and turn an undesirable black color. If harvested on a rainy day, they must be dried indoors or baked over a very low heat. If dried in this manner, the flowers must be turned every few hours. In other words, baked or dried indoors. However, if baked or dried, the color becomes dark and this lessens the quality. Flowers should be stored in a dry place with good air circulation to prevent insect infestation. Mm -hmm. 
So it could be, because I do remember that the infusion was quite dark, and it might actually be that um, the quality of the honeysuckle flower that I got wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about, I mean, it sounds like traditionally they dry it, obviously. What do you think about um, making, and it sounds like it's maybe the properties you want are from a water extraction. I was planning on making a tincture, but um, with it's the fresh flower. Pills, powders, okay. and um, infusion is what's listed. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Now that that said, this is a book about Chinese medicine. They don't use tinctures a lot in Chinese medicine. Uh huh. That doesn't mean it won't work, but I would say that you should certainly at least harvest and dry some, as they outline in the book, as well as making a small amount of tincture and compare the two. Okay. Cool. I will try that. All right. Good. Um, great. Um, okay. One, another one that I was thinking about trying, and I don't know if, I don't know what you'll think about this, but so in Stephen Buhner's book, I have a lot of elder and he talks about how he thinks that the leaves are more antiviral than the berries. And every, every year for the last few years I've made um, elderberry like decoction and then froze it. And then I make syrup over the course of the winter and I was thinking about, he talks about tincturing the fresh leaves, but you just use very little. And, you know, because as, the more you use, the more emetic it is. Um, so I was curious if you had any experience using the elder leaves. The only experience that I've had using elder leaves has, Michael, Michael, has been... to um, use them in feverish conditions. Mm. I know that elder leaves are not available on the market and that the flowers and berries are, and you get really, really good results with the flowers and berries. Mm-hmm. I also know that there are several kinds of elder and that um, some of the kinds of elder, the leaves have more poisonous constituents than others. Okay. So while I personally have used elder leaf and elder twig bark and even elder root on occasion, I don't suggest that other people do. You certainly can. (laughs) There are things that I talk about and that I promote and that I think, you know, work well for everybody and everything. And then there are other things, don't even bother, that if you want in a very limited way to experiment with this, I certainly you know, encourage people to experiment with herbal medicine. It's very hard to do it entirely wrong. But I don't think that I want people digging up any part of the elder or stripping its leaves off. 
in general. Okay. Do you, okay. Know, do you hear what I'm saying? Sure. Yes. 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 And I mean, I guess sometimes I, my experience with viruses this winter made me feel like, oh, I'd like to try some different things. And um, so, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. <laughs> does bone, um, does bone set grow there? Um, I have not been able to find it. But, yeah, that would be such an amazing ally because that was all of our viruses. My family, it was just like those achy viruses that lasted like 24 hours. And, I yes, I want some bones. <laughs> yeah. I've not found it wild anywhere, but um, I think I could maybe grow some. Wet places. Wet, okay. It likes it wet. So roadside ditches. Stream sides, pond sides, those kind of places. Okay. All right. I'm yes, but they're cool. Okay. Do you have any other suggestions? Like anything that you like? Garlic, other than like elder, elderberry. Honey. Yes. Garlic honey. Okay. Yes. Yes, garlic honey, wonderful. That is a, it is a beloved in our household. <laughs> we will. Well, great. Yeah. Yeah. Dreamless. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Good night. The next caller is coming from the 812 area code. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hello. How's it going? It's going. Okay, I'm, I'm calling uh, because I have a history of trauma, and I really like faced this trauma head on for the first time about three years ago. And since that period of time, I have had digestive issues that I didn't have before, as well as just a lot of tiredness that I didn't have before either. Um, so wondering what you have to say about that. I'm not exactly sure what you mean with most of the words that you're using. So maybe I could get some clarity. When okay. you when you say you're tired, do you mean that you wake up in the morning and you feel like you'd just rather turn over and go back to sleep? Sometimes. But not in a not in like a depressed way. Not in a what? Not in a not in a depressed way. Like uh-huh. not the sensation that I don't want to do my life or something, but more like, oh, I really don't have the energy to bring to this day that I wish I did. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And you are getting enough sleep. Yes. In a place where you feel safe. Yes. Which is new. Safety is also a new sensation. I'm glad that you're allowing that in. I think that's what you're saying. Yes. Yes, I'm glad that you're allowing yourself to be secure and to be safe. Thanks for saying so. You are welcome. You certainly deserve it. Because there's so many different flavors of being tired. So I'm really trying to, like, see if I can get a, 
a sense of what kind of tired you're experiencing. There's some people who, you know, leap up and work really, really hard on a couple of cups of coffee, and then by the afternoon, they're tired. Well, yeah, you know, they're tired because they haven't taken care of themselves all day because they've been going on coffee. They haven't eaten any real food. And then there's the kind of tired where you just don't feel like you want to put anything out. But it's not like You say it, it's not like you're depressed. It's just like things are going on inside. Right. Like this, I maybe this would help. There's a sense. So I do feel inspired, but I don't feel like I have the like intensity or vibrancy that I want to bring to the projects in my life. So the inspiration is there, but that internal energy or life force feeling or vibrancy is not. Surprisingly enough, what makes it more is for you to go forward despite your lack. What do you mean? I don't think there's anyone who's ever thought that they were good enough, smart enough, wise enough, accomplished enough. And those who do things are simply those who have gone forward despite their lacks and find that the effort of going forward is what turns on that life force. Okay. Okay. Is 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 there anything else that you would like to add? No. Okay. I think you know. I th- I think that you're. I think you're actually at a very important place. How so? My mother was a champion high diver. And I hated going on the high diving board. I really am terrified of heights. And one of my friends promised me I could read her hundreds of comic books. I am a comic book idiot. And I have been ever since a child. I love the comics of all kinds. If I would go off the high diving board. And I remember the sensation, how awful it was to walk up the ladder and how really terrifying it was to walk down that board. But the real place of absolute gut-wrenching terror was at the edge of the board where I had to actually make a decision to step off. I'm hearing what you're saying. Um, in addition to this like conceptualization you are describing, are there particular herbs that you would um, – how do I want to ask you this? Particular herbs to work with? to ally with to help in continuing to move through the trauma bravely? Motherwort. Okay. Great. And, of course, nourishing herbal infusions, because without say. 
Oh, yes, me, yes. I've been, been doing the infusions for about about three years since I started facing this trauma uh, more fully. Ah, good for you. Right, yes. Yeah. Super helpful. All right. Good. Okay. Okay, thanks well, for, thank you. Thanks for your question. Green blessing. Right. The next caller is coming from a private number. And, of course, I did step off anything to get to those comic books. What did you say? You got, say that again? I said I did step off the high diving board anything to get to those comic books. <laughs> <laughs> My son got up to the high diving board and turned around because he got so oh, freaked dear. out. and. I wasn't there to witness it, but <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yes. And the next caller? Hello. Hello. Yes. Oh, is that okay? Hello, Susan. Um, so I just have a question today about rose petal infusion. Okay. From rose petals. I know mm-hmm. that you say to make um, rose petal honey and uh, rose hip infusion. However, I just wanted to know if um, one could possibly use dried rose petals of uh, rose centifolia um, to just make herbal infusions. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that the steep time would let, be much back one step. They're uh-huh. nourishing herbal infusions. That's right. So we want to ask ourselves, are rose petals nourishing? Well, I mean, they are. No. They have- no. No? No. They're not particularly nourishing. Flowers are not designed to give nourishment. They're designed to attract pollinators. And then we also don't make infusions from anything that has a scent. Mm-hmm. That was my concern, yeah. So if you put your nose in the rose petals, do they have a scent? Yes, very much so. Very much so. Mm-hmm. So to me, they're not appropriate to make a nourishing herbal infusion. Okay. Now, that said, you can make a nourishing herbal infusion of rose petals and use it as a face wash. Mm-hmm. Or the hair rinse, or it's an underarm splash. Mm-hmm. You don't have to make uh, infusion to drink. So would that be the same for something like calendula flowers and lavender as well? Absolutely. Because, you know, they're all not Pardon? infusion. Okay. Okay. So what would be the best way to, to intake some of these tinctures, I guess, right? Some of these, I'm not sure what you're asking about. Um, like, for example, calendula flowers, or if you wanted to, at times, use lavender. Um, Most people make calendula ointment. They make the oil with the calendula mm-hmm. flowers and then thicken mm-hmm. it so that they have calendula ointment or just keep it as an oil. And it's used in a lot of different ways. Some people do make calendula tincture. Um, there's a wide variety of uses for it, but they're different than the uses for the oil. 
Lavender is usually used as sachets put in among clothes. It makes a really nice vinegar. I really like lavender vinegar. It's quite delicious. And, of course, lavender being part of the mint family, like lemon balm and motherwort, is considered very relieving for those who have anxiety. That's right. So, so lavender can be tinctured. It's used in small amounts. But it, and some people use a tiny bit of lavender to make tea. And they have a lavender tea. Of course, lavender honey is wonderful. So can the same be said? If I have like a lot of dried calendula flowers and rose petals, um, can I make tea from that or give it to people? They can make some. You can make tea, which you use okay. a small so amount of herbs. And you brew it for a short yeah. amount of time. Mm-hmm. It's rose petals okay. are frequently used in herbal teas. Yeah, that's because I've heard of the they, tea, but I wasn't sure. They such a nice smell. I beg your pardon? They look so nice, and they have such a nice smell. Actually, an herbalist said to me that they were safe, you know, um, to use in an infusion. But I've read up on your um, aromatic herbs, and you mm-hmm. you... You tend to stay away from infusion, so I, I just wanted to get your thoughts it's on like that. It's like the word infusion in the dictionary. It says that it's synonymous with tea, so perhaps that's what she meant. Yeah, that could very but well think be. think about what it would be to weigh out one ounce of lavender and to put that in one quart of boiling water and to try to drink that. Mm-hmm, it would be. If, well, I have done it with the rose, and it was so bitter. and that's, Exactly. I, I didn't your mouth to... immediately told you, don't, don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> so hibiscus is the same thing. It can do a tea, no infusions, right? Cause well, you I, have I just this infusion. It doesn't have any smell. Yeah. It's okay. and it's actually not the flower of the hibiscus. It's the calyx. It's the red stuff. Is that not? It's the petals. The red, right? not not the petals. No, it is not the petals. It's the calyx. It's a special kind of hibiscus. It's not the hibiscus you're thinking of. It's not that red hibiscus that you're seeing in your mind. It's a hibiscus. The flower is actually kind of like smallish and not a big showy thing, but leaves behind this bright red big calyx, which is Uh like um, the green part that's around the rosebud. Yeah. And that's what you're actually using to make the infusion. Now, we do usually dilute it because it's pretty sour, mm-hmm, but we very. use it as a summertime drink when we want to drink more fluid anyhow. Mm-hmm, and Wonderful. In the winter, of course, heat it up with a little honey in it. Yeah. Either full strength or dilute it back. Okay. And uh, I just want... Hibiscus is loaded with nutrients, again, because it's not the flower. Yeah, it's the vitamin C content is very high. That's it has a lot more than vitamin C. It has some uh, very strongly active um, heart-healthy ingredients as well. Uh, and for peppermint, I know that generally it's taken as tea and all that. It can we have a tincture of peppermint? Is you it safe? You make a tincture of peppermint. I make peppermint vinegar. Yeah, I know that you said peppermint tea and vinegar when I was uh, reading your um, writing, and also I saw the Marvelous Mint segment. So in that, yes, you did say vinegar. 
perfect. But uh, tincture is okay? What do you mean okay? I'm not exactly sure what you're I mean, getting at. Is it These safe different herbal preparations are used for different reasons. Would you brush your teeth with shampoo? No. Is shampoo okay? <laughs> shampoo is okay. Yes, for the purpose right. it's meant. So if you told me shampoo was okay and then I brushed my teeth with shampoo, I could get upset with you, right? No, that's that's not what I meant. I, I know. Well, I mean, you, it's okay for me if it's intended. It, I don't know what you're going to do with it. Can you make mint tincture? You can. Have I ever made mint tincture? I haven't. Okay. For things I'm not like, even know, sure what I would do with it, although I'm sure if I had it, I would figure out something to do with it. Tinctures in general, alcohol in general, is used mm-hmm. to extract from plants their most poisonous constituents. So mm-hmm. when we want to take from an herb the substances from that herb that can harm us the most, then what we use is alcohol to get those. When we want to take from the plant the substances that will nourish us, like vitamins and minerals and proteins and antioxidants and so on, then we use water or vinegar or honey. Mm -hmm. So it's all okay, it's all good, but there's different intentions. Yeah, that's what I was, so the intention behind it was to treat, like, say, you know, gastric disturbance or flatulence or indigestion. Don't don't treat, they ally with people who have those problems. Fennel seed tea is so easy. And one of the nice things about fennel seed tea is once we start using a remedy for something that might be something that comes up in our life. You have somebody with flatulence, you know, it's likely that you're not going to give them a remedy and they'll never have flatulence again in their life. Right? Mm-hmm. right. You give them a remedy and probably like, you know, even within the week they might have flatulence again. So if what they rely on is peppermint tincture, and if you make it and it works, then they will rely on it, then they're kind of stuck with using peppermint tincture, whereas... Aromatic seed teas, I say fennel seed tea, but you could use cumin seed tea or caraway seed tea or coriander seed tea or anise seed tea. Mm-hmm. Is very easy to make. You simply pour boiling water over a spoonful of seeds, add a little honey if you want to, and drink it. Mm-hmm. It relieves flatulence usually within minutes. Some people even just chew on the fennel seeds. Yeah. So I prefer the simpler things. Yes, you do. So is there a, a, a reference book, something you could suggest perhaps to, to know what um, form of a herb is, you know, like exactly, like simple and to use? Like I, I, of course, have a lot of books. I like Native American Indian Herbology by Alma Hutchins. It is very specific when it talks about what particular 
properties mm-hmm. are in what parts? Mint. Mm-hmm. Mensa piperata, medicinal parts, leaves and stems, solvent water. Mm-hmm. That's it. They don't even list alcohol. But generally, when we are watching the marvelous mints, Susan, you do say never to make infusion of mints, right? They're way too aromatic for that. Water doesn't mean an infusion. It could be tea, tea is water. Vinegar is water. Honey is water. Mm. Yes. Right? Yes, absolutely. Because they're not alcohol. That's right. That's right. So it doesn't have to be infusion or nothing. Yeah, I guess I'm so ingrained in my head with the infusions, you know. I, it's a good thing, but it's not, you know, because you can't generalize for every plant like that, and that's what I was looking for. So I, I guess this is a good uh, reference or resource guide, Native American Indian Herbology. By Alma Hutchins. H U T C H I N S, right? E N S. I think. Either one. Okay, I can. I'm sure you'll find it. It's at thewisewomanbookshop.com as well. Yeah, so I'll just go on that one. Great. Thanks for asking. And remember, it's a great experiment. And if you do something that you don't like, you can throw it away. Make a little bit at first. It's just that I, I got a lot of the rose petals, and then I was, like, perplexed. So right. I was They're like, dried rose petals. Yeah, they are. That's good. They're good for 10 years. You don't have to do anything with them. Okay, because, you know, when they, when they sell them in, you, they Put them in dream pillows. <laughs> put a rose petal or two in letters when you write to people. Um, uh, you know what I really like to do with dried rose petals is I put them in my bottle of witch hazel, and then I have rose-scented witch hazel. Yeah, I put it in my, actually, I, I did take a page off of all your suggestions, and I put it in my um, calendula oil. I, I, I put some of them there, so they're infusing there. So. Nice. Good. Yeah. But they'll last for a long time. You don't have to worry about using them all up. Yeah, so when the when they sell it to you, they say they're only dried herbs are only good for about a year at the most, a year and a half. So I was I was like, oh, gee. not true, simply not true. Yeah. Mhm. Well. Okay. Okay. Yes. Thank you ever so much. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Thank you. Good night. The next caller is coming from the six zero three area code. Hello. Hello. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd like to talk about uh, is there any quick fixes for a throat cold and sinuses draining? And we have a couple of health food stores in the area. I didn't know if there's anything you can pick up off of the shelf that actually works. Well, somebody was complaining the other day about modern medicine, and I said, you know, modern medicine is here because we want quick fixes. So when you want a quick fix, a place to go is the drugstore, because that's where the quick fixes are. The reason that herbal medicine isn't used as much as drugs 
is because herbal medicine requires that you actually take care of yourself and that you don't look for a quick fix and just go back to whatever it is that you're doing. So my short answer to your question is no. There aren't any herbs that are quick fixes, but there are drugs that are quick fixes. The longer answer to the question is that herbs don't treat diseases, they treat people. So you're calling and asking for herbs to treat specific complaints doesn't work for me because what I do is I talk to people about what's bothering them and then we see which herb or herbs would ally well with them to help them in dealing with their problem. So is this a problem that you're having? Absolutely. Okay, so it's, you have uh, you have some sinus a sinus problem? Well, not really, but I mean it's a sinus like a symptom. I mean my nose is draining, my throat is sore, uh, raspy, and coughing a lot. Uh, do you think lot. that do you think that you have a cold? Yes, of some sort. Okay, these yes. are these are symptoms of a cold, right? Yeah. And um, if you go to YouTube, you can find me talking about cold colds and hot colds. Usually when your nose is running, it's cold, cold. And although I talk about the other things that you would want to look for to be sure that it's a cold, cold. And so you want to, in treating a cold, cold, use things that are warming and to stay away from anything that's cold or raw. Okay. That kind of cold, cold where things are running out of your body encourages us to do concentrated foods that are hot, like hot miso soup, beef stew, baked potato. Okay, that I can do. Good. And to especially avoid things like vitamin C in any form, which is very cooling. So no citrus juice, no vitamin C supplements, those kinds of things. Okay. And did you Now, what's interesting is that in many people, when you treat a cold, cold properly, it will become hotter. And if it does that, then you have to back off with the heating things that you're doing and let it come back to normal. So, again, it's not a quick fix. It's not even a steady fix. You have to be observing yourself and taking care of yourself and seeing what's going on with yourself. And for most people, a cold is a signal that they need a little downtime. I know it's not always possible for every single one of us to get that. Absolutely understand that. But if it can at all be arranged to get a day or two off, to hang out and read that book you've been meeting to to read, to, uh, you know, take a hot foot bath or even soak in a bathtub. Just give yourself a little pamper time. Um, that also works very well to help relieve the symptoms of most home and to help people who are dealing with that rhinovirus. Uh, okay. Many people really love linden flower tea or linden flower infusion. 
other people really like elderberry, either as a tincture or as a jam, sometimes called elderberry rob. Both are um, strongly antiviral and do help us get over colds and flus quite a bit faster. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your tips here. You are welcome. Green blessing. Good night. Good night. The next caller is coming from the 503 area code. Hi, Susan. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. I'm uh, I'm calling regarding my mom, uh, who is 85 years old. Um, she had a stroke back in 1987 or 88, uh, and so it's been basically in a in a wheelchair um, uh, since then, and. Uh, no longer really can walk, so she's been spending the last, I don't know, eight or nine months mostly sedentary in her wheelchair and then uh, sleeping in a recliner because she, because of the muscle tone, she can't fly flat. In any case, um, she developed um, essentially a bed sore in August. Um, we had home health nurses coming to treat treat the wound and never resolved. Sorry, wrestling with my dog. Um, in fact, it's, it's tunneled about seven or eight centimeters um, vertically. It's on her sacrum or sacral area. Uh, so she is currently in the hospital. It's been um, scraped, you know, clean, essentially. There's an abscess that was scraped clean. I don't know how big it is. Um, and the hope was that it would, by being cleaned, irrigated, you know, every several hours and kind of poked at, um, that, it, that it would drain sufficiently to start, you know, basically enable itself to heal or for the, for the tunnel to collapse. But um, that didn't happen, so she's just had a second surgery where they've, opened up a couple access points on either side of it uh, so they can they can put in some drains so that it can drain and the hope is to you know for the for the tunnel to be collapsed um, so they're doing all their allopathic stuff um, and um, there she just does not have an infection I mean any longer nothing in her blood Um there's no infection in the sacrum, the bone itself. That's been ruled out. She's constitutionally, like, tough as a She's just, I don't know what the, what the expression is, but she's a strong woman, okay? But she, um, I'm, I'm hoping to find some sort of confusion or something that she could take that might help the body heal that wound because it's in a horrible place and they're just horrible nasty things and she can't really move herself so she's going to have to be you know rotated repositioned essentially bed bound because she she can't walk even with assistance so I'm really hoping there's something that you might be able to recommend that could um, help 
close that up. Uh, My ally would be comfrey infusion. Okay. Whether or not it's actually going to help it close up, I don't really know. The other thing you might want to bear in mind if we can get this healed and close up is that as soon as you any kind of decubita, any kind of bed sore starting, get some honey on it right away. Okay. You said, um, so you cut out just a little bit. As soon as you see any kind of sore like that forming, put honey, put on, honey on it right on away. It. You can actually okay. get honey bandages at the store. Oh, really? Okay. And that honey uh, proven to stop that kind of bed sore in its track, so it can't do what is happening now. Right, right. So if, okay. if you can get honey into it, that would be a good thing to do. I don't know what's going on, what kind of access you have, any of that, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, honey... Um, any kind of honey, but it's the darker the honey, the more medicinal it is, okay. really helps that kind of tissue destruction mm-hmm. stop right. and okay. to turn the corner to healing. Okay, very good. And the reason that the... I first oh, sorry, is that you just drink the comfrey and it will have a systemic effect. And mm-hmm. what comfrey does is it jump starts the process of granulation cells, which are the cells that help to form um, scabs and to close the wound. Okay. Uh, quantity of the infusion that she should drink? Um, you know how to make a comfrey leaf infusion, right? You know it's the leaf. Yeah. Okay, yep. good. Any amount that she drinks is fine. Whatever she can can drink. If she right. tolerates it better hot with honey, that's great. I, of course, yeah. like infusions over ice. Comfrey has a strange mouthfeel, and so sometimes yeah. it is better to put a tiny pinch of mint in with it. Okay, very good. Mm-hmm. And you prefer them over ice, you say? I love my infusions over ice, yes. Oh, okay, so that's the ice first... liquids get into the body faster than any other fluid. Huh. Okay. All hot right. Li- a hot liquid can take up to four hours to get into your blood. An iced beverage will usually be in your blood within ten minutes. Oh, awesome! Well, she'll be happy to hear that because she likes to drink her drinks ice cold. Good. Okay. Very good. Um, and so even um, all right. So put honey on. Anything that looks like it might is a hot spot or might become actual broken down yes. skin. and or the actual wound that's there now, if there's any mm-hmm. part of it that's accessible. Yes, there. The it is to an extent. Now you um, wouldn't go so far as to like put honey on a Q-tip because, frankly, there's it, it, right now there's like seven centimeters of access. Which hopefully will, you know, that hopefully will collapse and lessen over time. But um, you're not talking about I would I would start with using the honey externally and the comfrey internally. Got it. Okay. And see where that takes you, and feel into whether or not that 
tunnel wants to have something put in it. Okay. Got it. Uh, yeah, I can't tell from here, but I think you'll be able to tell as you work with it. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Green blessings. Thank you. Bye-bye. Golly gee, Rebecca, okay, we, we, have, we have less than 20 minutes left. How many callers do we still have to talk to? We just have one person with their hand raised at this point, but if oh. you have a question, for me, please press one because I think we have time for a few more. Okay, good. All right, the next caller is coming from the 860 area code. Hello. Hi. Hi. Oh, thank you so much for taking my call. Um, that that last one was really interesting to me. Uh, the problem that I'm having is uh, about a month, well, on the 18th of March, I was bitten badly by a cat. The cat had a good reason to bite me, but anyway. Um, and I still have uh, swelling um, after two courses of very strong antibiotic. Um, and I, I've been... Uh, soaking the hand for a couple hours at least every day for that whole time. And up until late last week, I was still able to squeeze some pus out of it, um, sometimes cloudy, sometimes clear. Um, now I have like a little localized swelling and a kind of a purple uh, circular raised bump. It used to look more like a volcano, but at one point my doctor uh, lanced it um, She's taken a couple of cultures. I, I went to a osteopath who um, poked some holes in it and uh, said that there was nothing wrong with the bone, but that um, he thought I should take some more Augmentin. Um, and he gave me a, a, another prescription for a third course of this antibiotic. Um, and I just sort of broke down and started taking it last night because I, I just, I, I'm really doubtful. I just can't tell. It seems to stay swollen. There's, there's a, a hard area under the skin. He says that my body is um, forming scar tissue around the abscess. Um, I'm not sure, but I, I'd love to hear anything that you might have to say about it. I was listening closely to the discussion of the bed sore. Oh, I know it's a different thing, but I wondered if comfrey infusion or, or uh, honey might help me in any way. Might. Um, when you say you broke down and took the antibiotics, that's because the anti-infective herbs you were using weren't working. Um, it was really because, um, I guess, of, uh, well, yeah, I, I think that more, more, it would be clearer to say that I was failing to take anti-infective herbs that were working. I, the only things that I tried... I tried soaking my hand in golden seal. Um, I tried which closes up wounds, which is the exact does it? wrong. Oh, interesting. That was something that my um, my doctor had recommended. She said that I could use it as a poultice, and uh, that it had that it worked as a drawing poultice. Um, <laughs> and so I, uh, I tried but that, but it did. It really went badly when I used it as a poultice. Exactly. Um, and I. Yeah, I didn't know that. I should have asked you. I um I put it in the water for a while and soaked my hand in the wa in that water. I took some um echinacea for a while really? and it may have helped and I probably when should have kept like take, taking it. Skin rashes, it really dries them up right away. Huh. Um 
took some echinacea. Yes. Effective dose of echinacea is one drop for every two pounds of body weight, which for most people is about three dropperfuls every okay. couple of hours. Okay. Is that how much you took? No. <laughs> I don't know if I could afford to take that much because I failed to make it. Good reason to make some. Yes. As soon as since it takes a while before it's ready to use, make yes, it now. Yes. So the right. next time you need it, you'll be able to afford to take that much. Yes. I can understand what you're saying. It's why I encourage people to make it. Yes. Right. For under $70, you can make over 30 ounces. Yeah. I even read your... your uh, right, it's about $2, about $2 an ounce. So then you really can use Echinacea effectively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other kind of strange thing about soaking is that the more frequently you soak, the more effective it is, and the longer you soak, the less effective it is. That's interesting. I felt like it took a long time for my hand to open, for the whole, you know, for the for the wounds to open, um, mm-hmm. so that I could squeeze anything out of them. Uh-huh. So I was I was ending up, you know, it was ending up taking forty five minutes to an hour. Um, to get it to, you know, for anything to come out. Well, what do they say about squeezing pimples? Not a good idea. How come? Um, uh, I think it damages the uh, skin, maybe makes... Not only damages the skin, but for every bit that you see coming out one way, another is going retrograde. Interesting. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So same thing with this. It's not really a good idea to squeeze it. Okay. I wasn't sure the doctor squeezed it so hard when she went. I know. <laughs> no. Oh hey, and then they give you antibiotics. Right. Right. Well, they have because a, they know that they hurt you. Yeah. The, the osteopath. Uh, what we're trying to do is be nice to ourselves. Right. So we don't have to, like, replicate what they do. Mm-hmm. So I hear you that for your goal, you wanted to soak it for a really long time so you could mm. get in mm. really, really soft and really, like, get in right. there. And what I'm suggesting is that soaking it for five or ten minutes, mm. three or four times, will help move the infection out. How how long to wait between soaking times? A couple of hours at least. Okay. Um, and well, the way uh, that my teachers described it to me was uh, that you want to set up a pulse. Huh. So that rather than just hitting something once, you're going bam, 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 bam. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get more effect. Do you think that um, after a month and a half, um, soaking is still useful? Could be. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. There's been a lot of stuff happening. You've taken antibiotics. There's been lancing. Mm-hmm. I really don't know. I'm not there. I can't see it. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. But you'll probably good, have a <laughs> idea that. Whether or not it's being at all useful to you or not, it does feel really good. The, the yeah. hot water really feels good. One so of the best kind of ways to find out if something is being useful is to stop doing it, and then you find out really fast whether or not it was helping, <laughs> don't you? Yeah, and I, I think that is very true. 
earlier, it, if I stopped, my hand would sort of blow up, and now it really doesn't seem to make much difference. So maybe it, maybe I'm coming to the end of the effectiveness of soaking. There you go. Mm. So in terms of, of my nourishing herbal infusions, um, I've, I'm mostly using nettle and um, red clover blossom, and uh-huh. I ran out of oat straw, but do you have any other specific Linden, linden, linden. Linden is a great anti-inflammatory. I tried to get it. Um, I guess. Uh, I guess that. Um, oh, I've forgotten the name of the place in, out in uh, out on the west coast that you recommend, but they seem to be out of it. They seem to be sort of you might want permanently to, I, out. You of might it. want to try Frontier Herb. I also recommend them. Okay, I'll, I'll try that. Thank you. And don't forget Star West Botanicals. And okay. There's lots of places that sell herb, dried mm. herb in the United States. What was the last one you mentioned? Pacific Botanicals. Okay. And Star West Botanicals. I got that one. Okay, great. Okay. Thank, Thank you so much. much. Sure. Green blessings. Good night. To you, too. The next caller is coming from a private phone number. Hello? Hi. Hello. Hi. Um, I'm not sure if you can you hear me. I've just got a bit of a Skype set up here. Yes, I can hear you just fine. Oh, fantastic. I'm ringing from Australia, and I'm just so excited to be speaking with you. Thank you so much for taking this call and for... Um, who you are and what you do in the world because I've only just found you and it's I'm 42 and um, it's like very confirming for things that have been in my I don't know mind and body and um, yeah I feel like I've been out in sort of the wilderness or the desert and now I've found someone who I really um, trust and I love it really resonates with me, so thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> so, um, Susan, my questions are: I miscarried um, uh, about three weeks ago, and um, I'm 42, only just 43, um, and I would like to know what um, herbs to take. So, since I'm quite new to you I've heard, heard all the other callers and they know a lot of the background so um but anyway just what what I can do to um help my help me to conceive um easily again and to carry the baby full term I have I have low progesterone just because I I um noticed the um last half of my cycle they used to be spotting and then I went to a naturopath and she sort of helped with that um but I just thought I'd tell you that generally I have low progesterone I um always have low iron and low vitamin b and d and so I think that's a, that's a trouble with absorption um with the the, the iron so yeah they're my questions <laughs> could you tell me a little bit about your diet um I'm mostly vegetarian um, there's the problem gluten- right Ah, okay, yep. Huge problem right there. Okay. So let's do a little background here. Women are most fertile 
in the 10 years between the ages of 15 and 25. That decade between 15 and 25 is the ideal period for a woman to get pregnant. Her genetic material is top-notch. Her body is in a great shape. She, in general, will be very easily able to get pregnant and to carry to term. The next decade, from 25 to 35, the genetic material is not as healthy, simply because it's 10 years older. Mm. Remember, you're born with that genetic with your eggs, right? You're born with those follicles. They keep aging as you age. So between 25 and 35, the genetic material is not so good, and the body has gotten generally a little stiffer. It's not as easy to conceive, although it can still be quite easy to conceive, and it's a little harder to carry to term, partly because the body does not want to invest in creating a baby that isn't viable. This becomes very important when we start looking at the decade between 35 and 45. Now the genetic material is in very poor shape. And the body's innate desire to not expend the effort and energy to make a baby that is not really viable becomes very, very important. And I say to women, past the age of 35, you can get pregnant easily and you can miscarry just as easily. And that miscarriage is a blessing and a gift from your body. Hmm. That's your body saying, we're not investing in this. Yes. So you got pregnant. You should be able to get pregnant again without any particular help. Red clover infusion and animal fat are the two things that are most important for fertility. Yeah. It's extremely difficult for women who follow vegan or vegetarian diets who are older to carry pregnancies to term. Their bodies just don't have enough of what they need. Our bodies are not designed to be vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're always anemic and you won't eat red meat? Oh, I definitely, I have red meat um, about once a week. Good. So, like, I'm, I'm Good. Kind of mostly vegetarian, but I do have red meat once a week. Um, so that's yeah, not I'm vegetarian at all? Vegetarian. No, not, not anywhere <laughs> near the camp of vegetarian. That's, <laughs> that could perhaps pass as flexarian. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I grew up in a family where it was meat every day, sort of thing, and so I understand. Um, to, to my family, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Do you uh, okay. do you at so, yeah. point drink nourishing herbal infusions? Not at this point, because I've only just come across. As, well, that's you, that's so, what I thought. Uh, that's yeah. a good place to start. Is to start mm-hmm. seeing which of those five herbs you can get. I haven't had m- much. Um, reason to buy herbs when I was in Australia because I bring them with me, Uh, you know, start seeing what you can get in dried herbs. Nettle infusion, of course, is one of the richest in iron. Also, a very good way to raise your iron level is with blackstrap molasses. Oh, okay. So that's that's a pretty easy thing to do. And what I often suggest is liver. Good organic liver is one of the cheapest 
of the organic meats, and it's like an iron infusion for your body. It's iron in a way that you can very, very easily make use of it. Okay. And yeah. you feel that you're having digestion or assimilation issues, it's better to get the iron preformed by eating liver so your body doesn't okay. have to do that work. Yep. And the same okay. thing is true with the nourishing herbal infusions. They don't require digestion. Okay. The nutrients come into the body in a form that your body can immediately uptake. Yep. So. Okay. Again, I don't think you're going to have any problem getting pregnant again, if that's what you want. If you miscarry again, then get pregnant again. Yeah. For some women, <laughs> for some women of your age, they may miscarry up to seven or eight times before they have a life. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow, okay. I'm not sure that I could keep going after that. I just would feel like my body's just saying, uh, no. <laughs> It's yeah. saying no to that particular genetic material. Yeah, and of, okay. course, of course, the older the father is, the more likely the miscarriage is too. Yeah, okay. So should he have these infusions as well or would that... Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Everybody drinks infusion. So red... And baby goes yeah. from breast to infusion. Sure, red clover is oh, wow. wonderful one. Stinging nettle. Oat straw, comfrey leaf, linden flower, they're all wonderful for all of us every day of our lives. So oat straw, comfrey, linden flower, okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, great, okay. And is, is this all in, um, which one of your books is in, has got all of this in it so I can start my <laughs> research and doing it? <laughs> The book that has all of it in it is the book that's going to be coming out this October. Oh, great. Meanwhile, I have a course on nourishing herbal infusions. There's lots of free YouTubes about nourishing herbal infusions. And I talk about nettle and oat straw in my green book, Healing Wise. Ah, yes. Okay. Yep. I have seen that. I've read that. Um quickly at a naturopath that I went to and I was like I love that distinction between the hero and the um, scientific and the the nourishing yes yeah now it is time for me to say hello to my guests so I'm going to say goodbye and green blessings to you thank you so much for your call and welcome to Eugenia Merkulov who follows in the footsteps of five generations of Slavic medicine women. Eugenia was born in the Ukraine and raised outside of New York City, where she was fortunate to experience a holistically-minded and rich multicultural upbringing. Eugenia's primary intention is to assist individuals in connecting with their core being so they may live in alignment with their highest expression. In her offerings... Eugenia fuses healing wisdom from the Eastern European traditions with that of the yoga system, cross-cultural energy work techniques, and planetary herbalism. Eugenia holds a double BA in environmental studies and political science, a permaculture design certificate, Hatha Yoga certificate, second degree, Usui Reiki attunement, 
and most recently has completed a foundational Ayurvedic program. Currently, she's pursuing a double MS in herbal medicine and holistic nutrition. Welcome to the show, Eugenia. Hi, Susan. It's so awesome to be here with you. Yes. Well, we're we're all just going, oh, I wish I grew up with five generations of Slavic medicine women not really understanding what a burden it is to grow up with five generations of Slavic medicine women. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the more the more you know, the less you know. And I guess that could be a burden, but it could also be impetus <laughs> for, you know, life force energy to flow through you so you wake up in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so tell yeah. us about that. How does um, that influence your day to day life? Um, well, so I grew up in a household where spirituality and the energetic realm, the subtle realms were just as um, valid as physical reality. So we had, you know, ritual and divination and the spirit realm was kind of just, um, it was, they were tools and their energies that were present through day to day in, in conversation and in how, you know, we talked about life at home, especially, this is especially with my mother, you know, the, the feminine kind of intuitive wisdom really it was strong in my home. And so I feel like even though I've had many years of traditional Western education, so to speak, and my, my logical brain seems to be kicking strongly most days. I feel that I still very much exist in in the subtle realms and in the intuitive realms and in the, um, I guess you would say shamanic realms really and how I make like my choices both with regards to myself and my health and my actions in life and how I interact with other people and with the community around me and with society. And I kind of try to lead by example and then teach others or inspire. I think I try to inspire more than teach. Teach is like a, a strong word, you know, not everybody wants to be taught but everybody is open to inspiration, I feel like. <laughs> and actions speak louder than words. And by the example that we are, we can inspire and hopefully sometimes teach others as well. Mm. So yeah. one of the things you didn't mention was plants. It sounds like yeah. maybe herbal medicine wasn't necessarily part of that tradition. It's something that you've come to a little later on in your life. It definitely was, um, but in a sense of that plants are part of a grander scheme of spiritual teachers. You know, we can sit with um, a cup of tea in the morning or we can sit with a plant that we have come to love and uh, cultivate in our garden and come to know ourselves in the same way that we can just sit in meditation and kind of come to know ourselves. So I think that for me, um, tools such as energy work and breath work and tools such as uh, plant medicine, they're kind of, they're the same. They're permission slips that we give ourselves to uh, allow ourselves to come and step into our full power, you know, because we, we grow up in the society that teaches us limits and enforces limits. And then our, our physical bodies, our human selves are obviously limiting. So even if we do remember our divine selves, we experience the limits of the physical body. But then if we want to expand beyond um, and just grow to be better, uh, better is a, not the right word, grow, just grow to be more expanded versions of ourselves, the next level versions of ourselves. There's so many tools available to us to both come at it, to come at it from a mind, body, spirit perspective. So be it 
plants or just being intuitively present with your ancestors or with day-to-day energies. Um, these are all tools that work together, you know, in the holistic system of living consciously, living holistically and living sustainably too, because it's not just about us as people. It's about how we relate to the earth around us and how we act towards ourselves and towards the earth and towards each other. So were these five generations, were they in some way physically present? Like, did your grandmother live with you or live nearby? Were there um, paintings or photographs or mementos of your great-great-great-great-grandmother? Or how how was that done for you? Was it something that was just talked about, or were there mementos? So most of everything that I uh, know foundationally comes from my mother um, and a bit from her mother. Um, We immigrated to the United States when I was four, so we were kind of cut off from most of my family in Ukraine. So all of the wisdom, like the the wise woman wisdom, if you will, was passed on to me from my mom um, and everything that she had written down or just remembered from her mother and her grandmother and whatnot. And I did have the the privilege of having my grandma here for a couple of years as well in my childhood, and she carried a wealth of wisdom. But as far as, like, mementos and trinkets and whatnot go, I actually have a couple of journals from my great-grandmother on my dad's side, who was a village medicine woman, which are some of the most interesting and um, just as far as traditional medicine that incorporates everything from divination to astrology to herbs to to magic, you know, a text like that. And then I also have um, some really interesting, uh, like Soviet era um, herbalism books from actually my grandfather on my mother's side with a bunch of his notes in there. And those are just really dear to me and I really enjoy comparing those to some of the western western books but those weren't things that I was really reading as a child as a child it was all very um, hands-on like apprenticeship style uh, with my mom who um, in in our eastern European immigrant community she was kind of the community medicine woman Um, so we would have people coming over and as a child I kind of assumed that there was a tea for everything (laughs) anything and everything and I kind of kind of still believe that to, to some extent um, but yeah I just witnessed um, you know plant medicine and nutrition and uh, the idea that mindset affects life I witnessed that be utilized as like a primary primary tools for health and wellness and uh, western doctors were something that was very you know, it was a far away kind of concept. I only had to go to get a couple vaccines, and then I really didn't go again until much later in life. <laughs> so all of these things really influenced, um, you know, my understanding that we we are in charge of our bodies. Like we can and should handle ourselves, and we have the tools around us to handle ourselves and to stay healthy and to stay present. And that's really that kind of kickstarted my journey into maintaining that truth for myself and just kind of inspiring others. Mm. And in my twenties, it led into actual studies of. I'm fascinated by these teas that your mom used. Where where did she get ingredients? Now you said that you grew up outside of New York City. Were you Mm -hmm. in a country enough setting that she could harvest her own plants? Well, interestingly enough, we were just in the suburbs, so we did have like a little bit of a, a little bit of a yard space, and she grew a lot of the basics. So we always had um, calendula, we always had lemon balm, um, 
we always had, oh my gosh, what else? Um, we had yarrow at one point, nettles, chamomile, depending on where we lived. We had a bit of a different garden, but we did have the basics. And then I remember, you know, walking through parks and just wherever we could. And she'd be like, oh, that's plantain, you know, that's dandelion, but don't harvest it here because it's dog probably peed on it. But I did get some exposure <clears throat> to uh, plants in their natural environment. Um, growing up even in the more or less concrete jungle outside of New York. But uh, then also, you know, the Eastern European food stores. Thankfully, we could just go and get some of the teas that are imported from back home. So there are things that she didn't grow. Like she didn't grow St. John's wort, but I remember getting St. John's wort at the Polish food store. So it's just like one of those culturally accepted things. You know, these ingredients and these teas are much more commonplace in Eastern Europe than they are in mainstream uh, Western world. So there's always access to to all the basics that we needed. So she was able to grow some herbs, but then through the stores and the community of Mm -hmm. people back home, she was able to still utilize the knowledge that she had from her mother and grandmother because the same ingredients were available to her. And yay weeds, it's the same weeds that grow in New York as grow in the Ukraine. Yes, yes, there's definitely a large overlap, large overlap. Um, the interesting thing about Eastern European herbalism is that we get a lot of the, the Western herbs that grow in Europe, but then we get a little bit of the Asian infusion, um, if, you, if you will, the Asian infusion. So we have, you know, the yarrow, the comfrey, the calendula, the nettles, but then um, things like shisandra berry, or um, astragalus made it into the mix of Easter, or at least of what my mom worked with. So that was really cool. And that was something that we could actually then get at the Chinese food stores also. There's plenty of those in the New York City area. So it's actually, New York City area is a great place to access all kinds of multicultural ingredients, whether it's culinary or medicinal (laughs) or whatnot. So there wasn't a lack of exposure. My Shisandra vine has finally hit its stride. I think it's six or seven years old this year. And I just went, and it's just covered in blossoms. I'm going to have so many shisandra berries this year. Oh, that's awesome. It's a plant that oh, grows so very easily in cold temperatures, and I encourage anybody to grow a shisandra vine. It's a thrilling plant and such uh-huh. a wonderful, wonderful adaptogen. So um, I want everybody to know that you are listening to Eugenia Merkulov talking with Susan Weed. And I'd like people to know how they can get in touch with you and what kinds of workshops and events you have coming up. Well, um, my website is plantmedicineyoga.com. And in my offerings, I do my best to fuse the empowering aspects of herbalism and yoga as a holistic practice, you know, really focusing on the meditation, the breath work, the energy body, energy work side of yoga, as well as the asana. Um, I try to fuse these two disciplines and kind of present them as a foundational formula for people to kickstart their uh, holistic and sustainable living journey because it's about mind, body, spirit balance, like the yoga tradition teaches, but it's also about fusing mind, body, spirit balance with earth and respecting earth and understanding ourselves as part of this earth, not separate from the earth. So all of my offerings center around that. I do a lot of uh, private workshops and classes. Um, at the moment, I have a free online workshop scheduled for July 14th, which is right around the full moon. Um, 
right after the summer solstice, and it's on uh, personal power, and it's all about um, utilizing everything from visualization techniques and meditation to breath work to certain, um, we can call them yoga poses, like physical movements to herbs as well, to strengthen our solar plexus chakra and step into our stronger I am, our personal power. Um, so that's uh, that can be found on my website, plantmedicineyoga.com. You can sign up. It's going to be a free hour and a half, two-hour workshop. And then I also have a retreat scheduled for the end of June in the Virgin Islands, um, where I've actually been spending some time recently networking with the herbalists there, and I've really fallen in love with just the terrain and the climate and, I mean, the Caribbean is just magnificent in itself. Um, so we'll be doing a plant medicine yoga retreat there where we'll be fusing, um, you know, yoga practice throughout the day as well as meditation and breath work and energy work uh, workshops and um, herbalism workshops, both with traditional herbs that are kind of used um, all across Western uh, the Western traditions, as well as learning about some of the local herbs on the islands there. So if you're familiar with Western herbalism, it would be cool to come explore um, some of the indigenous medicine that grows in the Caribbean and fuse that with, obviously, beach days and, you know, all of the fun in the sun. But that's what I have going on right now, and I'm really excited because this is kind of my um, me release. You know, you were talking earlier. <laughs> I can't remember if it was last week's uh, podcast or this week's, but you're talking about, um, you know, the standing on the edge of the diving board and the comic books <laughs> and trying to trying to find that that strength to dive in. This is me standing on the edge of my diving board and being like, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready to put my offerings out there into the world, and I've been doing um, one-on-one classes with folks for quite some time so this is me in 2019 stepping out with like a full fusion of my offerings um, Good so yeah for you, all right thank folks. you <laughs> stepping out and she's thank offering you. it to you for free in july yeah. wow far out that is so generous so Tell us just a little bit more about the benefit of combining herbs and yoga. Well, um, yoga means union, uh, union of body, mind, spirit, and ultimately the lower self, the, the human identification with the higher self, God, source, spirit, whatever you want to call it. And I feel that, um, you know, herbs and plants and the earth in general, you know, it's, it's, they're spiritual teachers. Um, they're allies that help us understand our psyches and our emotions and our physical bodies. All, and all of that is useful on the path to becoming whole within ourselves and aligning internally so that we could then align externally. So uh, in the Western world, yoga has kind of been, I shouldn't say all of yoga, but there's a pop culture yoga tendency to forget about the um, spiritual side of the yoga practice, the energetic side of the yoga practice, and just focus on um, physical practice, which is the physical practice is great, but it's just a workout unless you combine, you know, the, the internal work, which comes through meditation, which comes through, through being present with yourself. 
And I feel that uh, once you get into the really work of the the real work of yoga, which is focusing on the energy centers, understanding how your physical body, your mental and your emotional bodies and all your layers of self, how they express through the filters of your energy centers, you start kind of seeing where, where you're out of balance because everybody's out of balance. That's why we're on earth. Um, and that's where herbs come in as really wonderful tools to help bring you into balance. So again, this can be approached from a physiological level, you know, a clinical um, herbalism perspective where we're using herbs to help treat um, or you know, balance certain conditions. Um, and then it can be approached from an energetic perspective where we're using herbs as energy medicine, whether taking them internally or simply meditating with them, working with them in the garden. Um, and then also the psychological perspective. And so I feel that if, if you're truly looking to better yourself holistically in this lifetime, then all of these tools really go hand in hand because sometimes it makes sense to approach something from an energetic perspective. And sometimes it makes sense to just drink a cup of tea because your belly is upset and it's good to have all the tools in in your arsenal um so that's that's kind of my mission because if we think about it as in terms of industries you know in the western world and everything is business uh these are very separate industries uh the herbalism industry and the, the yoga industry but but really um you know all herbalists should be yogis or even really are yogis if you think of yogi as somebody who's seeking the wholeness right and um all yogis should be using at least a basic arsenal of, of herbs to um benefit them on their practice in their practice and on their journey so i'm here kind of fusing the two because i think it's just two realms that to me obviously go hand in hand I think other people respond to that. I don't know if you know, but in my apprenticeship program, there is an hour and a half yoga class each week, in addition to two two hour Tai Chi sessions each week. Oh, lovely Tai Chi. I absolutely agree with you that if you really want to be a class act as an herbalist, you need to be aware of what's going on with your body. Mm -hmm. And these are disciples for helping you be aware of your body. I will disagree with you about balance. Balance is the step that immediately precedes death, and I avoid it. Mm. Oh, okay. I'll Life work with that Dynamic one. disequilibrium. Life can never be in balance. We breathe in, then we breathe out. It's not balanced, and it shouldn't be. So from a yogi, I'm going to agree with you entirely and take it one step further and say from a yogi perspective, there is no death, right? There's just leaving the physical realm. And then maybe it is leaving the physical body. That That happens when you're balanced. balanced. That happens when you leave the physical realm when you are balanced because the physical demands dynamic disequilibrium. And unfortunately, most of yogic spirituality is death-seeking. I would agree. Body abnegating and, and death-seeking. I've been yeah. practicing yoga since I was 18. I have a deep yoga background. And it's very heroic, you know. There's, you know, the yogi who sat and meditated until his feet rotted off. And well, this is venerated. No, this is not mm-hmm. what I want, and I don't think it's what you want either. I don't think it's what we want for our students. We want you to be aware of your body so that if your foot hurts, you don't wait until it rots. Yes, I agree entirely with that. <laughs> well, I so, think that there's um, there's a grounded approach to yoga. Of yoga. You know, that's not about 
policy of yoga as yoga came in, because remember, if I started when I was 18, we're talking the early 60s here, when yoga was just hitting the United States. Then it came in with Hinduism, with a full load of spirituality, and it was unacceptable in America because of that. And what made yoga acceptable in America was that it had to shuck the Hinduism. And so the kind of spirituality that you're putting on it is fine, but it doesn't actually literally belong to yoga itself. I see what you mean there. I think I'd have to agree with that. It's definitely a distillation. And it's yeah, definitely, and I think, something that, that in what you're doing. I really, really love how you're taking from your mother culture and then your adopted culture and then your travel cultures and bringing them into this beautiful um, fruit salad. Yes. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I can yeah, just see well, you that, in the I think Caribbean. that's where I, I bring the earth part in. How that you know, strikes you. Yoga is the mind, body, spirit. And yes. then I'm like, well, let's take that and let's ground it down. Let's bring the earth piece because it's not just about floating and these theories of unity and these out-of-body, like cerebral um, layers of self. It's about taking that, that, you know, those glimpses of insight that we get in the higher chakras and then bringing them down through the heart center and down into the lower energy centers and ultimately rooting that wisdom through the root chakra. And that happens through action, you know, and how we relate to the yeah. plants around us, to the people around us, et cetera, et cetera. So Ow. that's my goal. The goal is, hey, you know, here's these grand concepts. How do we make them work here today in a physical reality to have a better life? Perhaps not yes. a balanced life, just a, not a balanced life, a cutting life, edge life. <laughs> a life that we're more satisfied with. And nobody can yeah. tell us what's going to satisfy us. We have to experiment with that. Mm-hmm. So, you do a lot of work with helping people connect with themselves and helping connect with plants. And I wouldn't necessarily ask you what your favorite plants are, but it was one of your questions. <laughs> Um, I just really enjoy talking about St. John's wort. Um, it is a plant that I grew up with. Um, I know that in now I'm studying clinical medicine now in, um, at the American College of Healthcare Sciences, actually. So I know I'm reading, you know, the, the um, science around it and the drug-herb interactions and needing to be very careful with how and when it's used, et cetera. But to me, it is one of those, like, best friend kind of teas that I've always had around in my entire, my whole life. And I tend towards um, emotional intensity. And I think that St. John's Wort has just been, like, the plant ally of my life. So I just want to take a moment to shout out the St. John's Wort spirit because been useful and helpful to me in my in my healing and in my um staying um <laughs> I almost use, you know I want to say balance again in my staying balanced but you're right it's not about me staying balanced it's about me staying centered and empowered and exactly so, we need to be centered yeah. because of the dynamic disequilibrium yeah yeah so you know it hypericum perforatum is also a plant that I adore and it's almost as though we're talking about two different plants because the constituents that are pulled out in water are the constituents that you get if you use this herb in a capsule 
definitely cause big interactions with drugs, and you do have to be very, very careful. And so I mm-hmm. never use it in dried form. Uh-huh. I only use it in preparations made from the fresh flowers, which is both tincture and oil, and it does not interact with any drug at all. Okay, good to know. Thank you for that. Yeah, I think you will find that the tincture of hypericum is far more effective for both mood and as an antiviral and a muscle relaxer than the tea could ever be. Right. I did a class on hypericum perforatum. There were 40 people in the class. And they all had practices, and their average client load was about 100. So we represented close to 4,000 people in that class. And I asked if anybody had ever seen any drug interactions or any interactions with the sun. And one person raised her hand, and she was the only person in the room who didn't use hypericum as a tincture but used it in a water base. Mm. Those of us who use it exclusively as a tincture made from the fresh plant simply don't see those side effects. That is a very, very useful bit of info. Thank you. I was actually just Since using, you love that um, plant, let me open a doorway into a further use for it. Uh, as I sit here right now, and Rebecca too, we both have right next to us quart jars of tincture of hypericum perforatum right where I sit in the evening. Now, there's also a dosage jar, a little dosage dropper bottle. But I keep a quart here so that I can fill up my dosage bottle as often as I want to. I wouldn't travel without this because it totally prevents jet lag. Mm, Yeah. Really, really wonderful. And it grows in the Ukraine then? It does. Yes, there's plenty of it. It is very very commonly used. It's actually very commonly used for digestive um, disturbances. That's kind of one of the go-to plants for if you have an upset stomach traditionally, but then also um, as a nervine for emotional um, imbalances. And then, and then like in ritual and magic, it's one of those plants that kind of makes its way into almost every ritual as far as health blessing, you know, cleaning, clean, uh, cleansing negative energy. Um, very confused into a lot of the aspects of our culture, I would say. The dried plant or the fresh plant? Both. Both. Like you would harvest it in the summer and you'd have a bunch of it to use uh, as tea, but also, you know, in winter rituals and stuff. But then you could also work with it in the summer. And, you know, there's, um, we have these, there's a lot of uh, Slavic pagan traditions that have survived. Um, And one of them is uh, going bathing in the summer, in the waters, in the middle of the summer. And you do it with Saint, with fresh St. John's wort flowers. And there's like songs and dances. And it's, it's beautiful. But yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. Eugenia, it, it's hard to believe, but we have almost talked our half hour up. Give everybody your contact information again so that they can get in touch with you. I know they want more. Thank you so much again for the opportunity, and you guys can contact me at plantsmedicineyoga.com. Please, don't call us you, guys. You wonderful, wonderful folks. <laughs> I know I grew up in New Jersey, and so it's a figure of speech, but we'll <laughs> try. I grew um, up in wonderful. but I don't use the figures of speech that I learned there because they're rude. Okay. All right. I will, I will work on that one. Thank you. <laughs> So plantmedicineyoga.com is where I reside on the Internet, and I've got a retreat coming up in June, a free workshop in July, and I look forward to connecting with more folks. (laughs) 
Thank you. Thank you so much, Eugenia Merculo, for coming and helping to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. We are so honored that you are jumping off that diving board and offering what you do and these generations of knowledge that you carry in your genes and in your bloodline and in your deep memory. You remember in Clan of the Cave Bear that Gene Owl uh, theorizes that the, the Neanderthals uh, were able to remember how to use a plant simply by tasting it that their genetic yeah. memories told them that. I don't know if you've seen the most recent Smithsonian Magazine, but it says that it turns out that we all have some Neanderthal genes, so perhaps we can all simply remember by tasting the plant. Green blessings are everywhere. Thank you, Rebecca, for helping to spread the word on herbal medicine as people's medicine, and thank you, everybody who's listening. Green blessings. Sleep tight. Thank you, everyone. Good night. Good night. Thank you.